Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches the Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. Listen, food brings out the passion in people, so let's talk about food together. Common Ground Minnesota is an online resource for you to do that, and it's 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 run by volunteer women farmers from Minnesota of all walks. We're talking big farms, small farms, we're talking dairy, we're talking produce. These women in agriculture are growing and raising the food that we all eat. We love to have a chat with them about what it, what it means to be sustainable, and what does it mean when they're using pesticides, and why are they doing it. All of this is available at Common Ground Minnesota website. It's commongroundminnesota.com. And they're on that new website, you guys, there are videos, there's you know FAQs, there's topics, there's a great blog, all sorts of things, and recipes. And farm dogs, too, by the way. So there you go. Commongroundminnesota.com is your great resource for everything food and families and farms. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at commongroundminn. Saturday. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie March. I think I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. You absolutely are. Good morning, my friend. (laughs) I never 100% am sure that you're like, like maybe the ether has taken you away and maybe you're not here actually. No, I'm totally here. And here's what I did that was so fancy this morning. I like to make, it's it's not that fancy. I just like to make coffee in a French press. Mainly because I just make it for myself. And so I don't like to do a whole pot thing. Totally with you. And and I don't like to clean the pot. I find that to be more difficult. So, but then this morning I was like, oh shoot, I got to get upstairs. I've got to get ready uh, to talk to Steph. And I brought the full French press up. 
Oh. And so I feel like I'm at like a fancy hotel when they deliver you a French press of coffee. You should almost have like a little tray and then like a little bowl of sugar It's exactly what I thought. I needed a tray because I was trying to open a door and I was like, shoot, dog, I got to set this French press on the floor because I don't have enough hands. You got to rejigger that. You know, it just kind of feels like get yourself a nice, uh, nice cup of coffee, whatever you enjoy. And it feels like a cozy morning and I I like it. I am here for the gray day. Me too. I don't, I feel like maybe I've taken for granted all the sunniness that we've had and I mean, everybody knows I'm not really the biggest, like, super hot summer person. I'd rather have it kind of cool. I'd rather be in Seattle most yeah, of the time. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know. I'm, I, and of course, we need the rain, which is so Minnesotan to say. The very yeah, first but thing it's definitely, say. but if you talk to a farmer, yeah. if, if you speak one word to a farmer, they're going to have, like, a stressed out look on their face because of this rain. This, because of the lack of rain. This yeah. rain is so. Desperately, Desperately needed. I don't think anybody's even going to complain. I know no. it's coming on the weekend and maybe you had plans to go to the pool or on a boat or whatever, <laughs> but I, it, yeah. my lawn is crisp <laughs> and brown. I can feel I the crunch when I walk out oh, there. I can't walk across my lawn because I will raise a dust bowl. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody will be inhaling all this, like, you know, sort of ancient grass as it is now. And I just feel like, yeah, I've given it up. And I feel so bad for the people who live across from me because I moved into this house and it was already dead when I got there. And I was like, well, sorry guys, maybe next year I'll be a better, (laughs) I won't look like, like the total, you know, loser house on the block. No, but but you kind of like, we just let it go because I wasn't going to sit there and sprinkle every day. I mean, I get some people have a lot of pride in their lawn. Our front yard is shaded, so it looks good. And the back, I just was like toast. Toast. So how are you doing with the garden though? Because that is a thing, because technically you're a little mini farmer. Yeah, the garden takes a lot of water, so we have to get out there and water all the time, and my garden is so far to the back of the yard that I don't have, I don't have a hose that reaches all the way there. Next summer, it's going to be full steam drip irrigation system that I can like plug the hose into and turn on. Oh, good. So we have to haul watering cans. Oh, God, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. And I don't, you don't have to haul it all the way because you can get the hose pretty far, but then you have to fill up the cans. So I have two big kids who are six and four, and then the baby is not helping at all. Not at Um, all. He's a useless worker. Right. But the six and the four year old, uh, the six year old likes to help me actually water. So we have a couple watering cans. And then Frankie is always on water can fill up duty. So he stands there and fills it up. That's brilliant. And then we take the watering cans and we go out there. But it's been a struggle because, you know, a lot of plants have a hard time without consistent water. Like I had a terrible radish harvest this year, which I've I think most people that. did. Yeah. It was all greens and not even like I mean, a little pop of a, nothing. It was like, <laughs> should I even try to gnaw on this? This is just going to be right, dirt. There's right. no point in this. Oh God. Uh, the tomatoes are doing pretty well, but boy, I mean, you can see the sad leaves when right. they get dry. I know. Yeah. That's, I had, I, you know, I had like one tomato plant. Actually, I had two tomato plants and I moved them from one house to the next. And it was sort of like in the middle of all the transitions. Oh, that's great. And then the, you know, and then in the, like the, just the dryness of everything. And I just sort of felt like I got the cherry tomatoes, you know, like the small ones. Yeah. I got those. And now in the plant was just like, and now we're done. Yeah. It's like, it's not even doing anything now that I harvested most of it. And then the other one has those, it has the tomatoes, but it's got like those weird lines around the tomatoes, you know, that kind of like, they almost get like scars. Oh, yeah. I've got those happening. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's really been kind of a hard summer because you're not getting that consistent rain. And plants really like, 
you know, they like, consi- like they love like what's happening right now outside of my house, which is yeah. just like a lovely sprinkle. Like right. that feels great to them. When you like show up with a deluge from a watering That's can every couple days, like it's not as great. So if you can set up, you know, they've got these little systems where you like, they just have like an irrigation that you like run the tubing along the bottom, like, you know, just yeah. the tubing on top of the soil. And then you turn on the hose and then just let it drip like that. That's a much better way to water than to just come out, come at it hard with water. So if you can do that kind of a setup, that's where, that's where we've got to get to. I think that that's a really smart idea. And I think that there's something, I mean, and that's my biggest problem is that I get so like, I only have time to quickly water you. And so I do the dump and I feel like. And so if you had it, like if you had like that tubing set up, you could just turn it on and then let it go for an hour. Yeah. um, And then it just gradually, like really slowly, waters which is totally the way to go but this is a good time you know this is like a nice time to kind of stay, take stock of what worked and what didn't work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um what do you want to prepare or move for next year like i've got this side yard spot that i've just been trying to do squash in yeah and i've got one that's going really well the other two of uh the other couple have struggled and so i am um really focused on like soil amendment over there okay so it's going to be like tons of compost right like i'm going to cover it with a bunch of straw so that it's just ready to be worked in uh, next spring. Okay, so you're already planning for the next Yeah, and this is a good time to do it because you kind of still have the energy in you. And it's a good time to just take down some notes for your garden and even um, take some pictures. That's a good idea because you forget. You do forget. Yeah, you forget. And just kind of look around and go, okay, like maybe I want to plant this here next year or this didn't do that well or, you know, or where could I use a little bit more space and things like that. Um, and, And that's... And you always have more room than you think. This you is can true. have a tiny little guys. I had like point one three of an acre at my last house, and I had all I had more stuff growing there than I have here. Yeah, and, and I have a much bigger yard. Yeah, no, I have a I have a friend Kelly who's you know we call her the O'Reilly Farm, and she basically just plopped down a big bag of you know at happy hour she plopped down a big bag of vegetables for oh, me. I love her. I know, and she's just Great. like here you go. She's like we're overrun with tomatoes, we're overrun with zucchini, we're overrun, and I'm like I will just benefit from your and she doesn't she lives on a you know they live on sort of a slip of land in Wyzetta and they have but they built out these amazing uh, raised beds and they they oriented them like in this really cool pattern so that it just like maximizes space and it's just amazing like the lettuces that she's been growing this year have been phenomenal you can grow a ton in a tiny amount of space you know I have a really good friend um, from college his name is Patrick I got a post he just sent me a video and I got to post a bunch of it because he lives like in downtown Chicago oh and he um, in like a brownstone kind of a deal and so he has a he has a like a little terrace off of his uh house and he has just been sending me like he's got these little raised beds including one like super cheap kind of deal that he got from home depot yeah and he has been growing so much and he sends me pictures of just the salads that are full out of his garden and his garden is a concrete terrace you know yeah it's it's amazing if you think oh i don't have the space yeah. Number one, you do. you do. If you have any sort of uh, just like even even a little terrace, I did all my gardening in my first apartments on terraces. And then if you don't have access to that, the great thing about Minnesota, I mean, we have so many 
community gardens in the city. Yeah. There's tons of them that you can figure out how to get a plot. I mean, there's one at my child's school. They're like everywhere. They're everywhere. And I got to tell you, just having moved to St. Louis Park and then like, as you know, I'm running on Sundays and through neighborhoods and everything else. There are so many community gardens. They're everywhere. I know. I mean, just go to your city and find out, you know, what land they have or like, I mean, I went to the website and I was like, wow, there's a ton of them. I know. And you can get a plot and a lot of them have water set up, you know, like the Dowling Community Garden near me has water. Yes. It's It's a way better setup than my house. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn. And then you don't necessarily have to like look at it outside your window and think I I should be weeding. weeding." (laughs) Yeah. You just kind of. Make it work. You make an appointment and a date to go hang out at your garden. Yeah, you know and what squash I mean? is a really gratifying thing to grow because yeah. squash, you know, especially winter squash, it can be more expensive if you buy organic winter squash. Yes. It takes a long time to grow. It takes space, um, but it also, it like, you don't have to do this regular harvest. You harvest once. You harvest, like, essentially at the end of the season, and then you, like, let, let it cure in the sun for a couple days, and then you can store your winter squashes. So if you, like, love going to the farmer's market and you want to get all your lettuces and stuff like that from them yeah. and just grow a really low-maintenance but, like, high-gratification level of crop, like... I have a jack-o'-lantern squash going outside, and I'm so hoping that we're going to have the kids' pumpkins. Oh, my God. That's going to be our pumpkins. That's going to be your pumpkins. For the fall, for, you know, for Halloween. I have had success and failure with pumpkins. I will tell you that. Yeah, I have had success and failure with everything. 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 (laughs) That's pretty much the story of the garden. Yes. I mean, that's it. It is. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We are going to return to some garden things at the end of the show because I do have a couple questions that I want Elizabeth to get to drill down on for me. But in the meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the restaurant world. We're going to talk... I have promised to talk about the Paris Hilton cooking show. Please do. Oh, my God. And then we're going to talk a little bit about cabin cooking. And we are going to have a little state fair chat also at the end. So I'm here for all of this. We have a great show lined up. Get your French press all lined up and <laughs> stay tuned. Just come back with us. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071, brought to you by Knob Creek. If you're thinking of buying a house this year but have been deterred by the crazy market, this is Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish. And not only did I buy a house with Carrie and Sue from Lake Area Realty, but Ellie is too. Ellie's a first-time home buyer who was previously looking for a condo when she spotted a cute little bungalow in West St. Paul. I told her to call Carrie and Sue with Lake Area Realty. Ellie was impressed with how easy Carrie made the process. She looked at the home twice in one day and had an offer in the hands of the seller by the end of that night. Carrie and Sue will work with you to help you find the perfect house. They know the tricks of the trade so that you can get the home you choose without necessarily paying the highest price or overpaying. With mortgage rates being at historic lows, people are qualifying for higher priced homes but with lower payments. Ellie is a first-time home buyer and the mortgage lender found a first-time buyer program that is able to keep her monthly payments about the same as a one-bedroom apartment, but instead, she's building equity in her first home. Find Carrie Elks, C-A-R-R-I-E, and Sue Durfee at CarrieAndSue.com at Lakes Area Realty if you're buying or selling a home. Now's a great time to buy. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I was just reading, um, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, I'm joking. Elizabeth Reese is here with me. (laughs) Hello. I'm here. I had all my coffee. I will take over. I know I'm having coffee too. Oh my gosh. Okay, we just had a little list. We have been talking about Elizabeth's garden. And I, uh, I, we had a question that just popped up, and I was just going to read it to you, that she's um, wondering about the cherry tomatoes. 
um, wondering if she has piles of them. And she says she remembers hearing about you packing them in a jar with olive oil or and then preserving them like that. Okay, so what I do is I do a slow roast with tomatoes. Right. And this is like my favorite thing to do to preserve them. I actually don't really can a lot of tomatoes anymore yeah. because, yep. it, it, number one, it's you can't do it with the tiny ones. Right. And then number two, it's just so much work and you can buy really good organic canned tomatoes yeah cheap i mean it's just great so what i do is i put a whole bunch of the tomatoes so here's what you should do take a jelly roll pan yeah you can line it with parchment if you want uh take a whole bunch of them and lay them all out if they're really small you don't need to cut them sometimes i cut them in half you certainly don't have to and then i take full garlic cloves i do peel them yep and lay them on. So I don't know, like for a full sheet pan, probably six or seven garlic cloves and then uh, a bunch of herbs. So I just pull thyme from the garden, sage from the garden, basil, parsley, lay it all kind of, you know, around, uh, drizzle a bunch of olive oil over it. And then I bake it for, I think I do 250. Yeah. Um, for about two to two and a half hours. Yep. So very low and slow. And then the, it's just going to smell like unbelievable. Yeah, it's heaven. It's heaven. Tons of salt and pepper too. So sprinkle, sprinkle. And then I pull them out. I uh, put them in a, like, I use like a whack jar or you could, I mean, you could use Ziploc bags, however you want to freeze it. Yeah. And then I usually coat with a little bit more olive oil just to like kind of top it off. Yep. Um, pack it down a little bit and then freeze. So I'll store them in the fridge for a while and you can use it like if you have like a crostini. Yeah. And spread like some ricotta on top or some chev and then just put these tomatoes and the garlic on top. You're going to lose your mind. Yeah. It's and I, you know, I I do this every year. We talked about this last week and I do this every year with the idea of having them through the winter and I barely make it to November. I know that's why this is a good challenge to yeah. do it. Like if you've got a bunch of them right now that yeah. you're already feeling a little bit overwhelmed by your supply. Oh, do it. And do then it right now and freeze them. And then here's them. the thing that I do. Like I'll buy like a jarred marinara sauce. Yeah. And then add a, a jar a few, of your, a few yes. of your tomatoes yes. and, or like make a really lovely, like minestrone stuff and then yeah. add a bunch of the tomatoes mm -hmm. into that. And you'll find like, or do, if you're doing a lasagna, do like a little layer of the tomatoes in the lasagna. Yeah. No, it's so good. You will use them so much. They go it, so fast. I'm telling you, it is so much less work than canning and you'll feel yeah. really good that you're not wasting the harvest. I did a blog post on my, um, you know, non updated blog that I've never right. updated anymore, but. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like it might be on the horizon again. A yeah. resurgence. Do it. Um, with like my exact technique of what I did. So I'll. Yeah. Um, put it on the grid and I'll put it on the show page. And then we can put it on the show yeah. page so you can see. Because I know I went Perfect. through a lot of instructions. But. No, I know. And and it's funny because I feel like we've talked about this technique like a hundred times. And yet we still have people who are like, wait, what? I, it's good to remember. It is. Sometimes and you forget. And everybody, you know, some people are super new to doing these tomatoes. And, and it's like. I have one friend who I, every time I run into her, she tells me about her tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like, and she's like, that changed my life. And, and by the way, you can do it with big tomatoes too. Yes, I you mean, can. you can certainly cut them up yep. and do it. I, I don't know. I just like the texture of the smaller tomatoes in this. There's something about also that adding those smaller tomatoes to dishes makes it like you get a pop of flavor that's yeah. a little bit more robust. I don't know. And even more fun. Like, you know, I always do multicolor. So yeah. we've got like yellow teardrop. I've got these little tiny yellow, like grape tomatoes. Love I mean, those. that are like, tiny grapes yeah. that I'm growing. So I like to do lots of different colors, which I think makes it look so much more interesting when you pop it in a marinara too. I totally do. You can just, I mean, you can honestly do a pasta sauce with just those tomatoes. You really could. And just, and then you just throw a bunch of herbs and olive oil yeah. and And maybe gosh. like some Spanish chorizo. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Everything's better with a little bit of cured meat. I know. Or even like crisped pancetta, if you will. I'm here for yes, that. All about it. Oh, God. Hey, I do want to chit chat quickly about, um, and we will get back to some gardening things, like I said. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about something. I posted an article yesterday about the supply chain. And oh actually, gosh, Steph, I was on your so show yeah. this week earlier without you, unfortunately. But I was off. You were off. Good for you. <laughs> um, but we talked a little bit about it. We touched on it in your show. And the funny part is, is I had been working on this article and I was just kind of like trying to get it together. And the idea of what's happening in the restaurant industry, it's and, you know, and the way that, you know, right now with like, we're all focused on masks, right? We're all focused on like, are they going to make me mask up? Am I going to have to show my vaccination card? Like, what's it going to do for my dining out? And my point was like watching everybody talk about this and knowing that restaurants are kind of like, yeah, no, that's fine. But like, we've got so much other stuff we're dealing with. Yeah. And that was the thing is I realized that people don't really know what's going on. So I decided to kind of put up a little article about the supply chain. And the truth of the matter is it's really a global issue. This is not something that's just happening in locally in Minnesota. This is this is a national global situation where everything, you know, we shut down for a year, over a year. And and it stopped production and it stopped, you know, I mean, we have the labor shortage and all this stuff. And it's kind of a perfect storm that is really affecting how you are going to get food on your plate. It is impacting everything. I mean, when you think about like we're getting a new front door and mm-hmm. they were like, OK, great. It'll be here in 25 weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is where you're at with things that you're building. Right. Imagine the greater intensity with things that we're eating. You know, um, Katie Gertis from Angel Food Bakery, she yeah. posted a photo of your headline. Oh, and then she talked about it. She said, I urge you to head over to Stephanie March's stories and swipe up to read this, especially if you're not knee deep in the restaurant industry. Yeah. These supply chain and labor issues are no joke. Yeah. It's the reason we're looking at opening our new spot in September, not June as originally planned. Oh, I feel so bad for her. She I- said, yeah. She said at any given time, in the last year, I'm juggling a shortage on at least three plus major ingredients. At one point, my suppliers told me it was a struggle to get milk, eggs, yolks, powdered sugar, bread flour, fryer oil, and yeast. Guess what donuts are made out of? I know. She said, I'll give you a hint. It's not just sugar and spice and everything nice. Oh, my God. What a great... I didn't see that post. Was it on Instagram? Or she was... posted it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, last night. Ingredients that we can get in. Costs have exploded. My fryer oil is up over 120% yeah. increased price. So what Katie Gertis had to say, which because she was just so happy that you drew attention in your piece to yeah. what she and so many other um, you know, restaurants are struggling with is uh, what you said was, remember there's more going on than you might know. Yeah. And, and Katie said, just a friendly Friday reminder to be gentle with your server tonight. Chances yeah. are they're new to the job or they're juggling, juggling a ton of tables. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's across the board where like, I got a email from a woman and it may be a listener. She may just be a reader. I don't know, but she was so angry that there, she only had, Three chicken wings for $13, you know, at Revival. And I was like, um, we're lucky that there were chicken wings, I think, you know, and the fact that chicken wings are not cheap anymore. Like, it's not, right. it, you know, everything is is so much more expensive. And it's like, they're trying to find this balance where they're giving you a service and giving you what you want. But also then, like, it can't be for free either, you know? It cannot be for free. It can't be for and free. And good food isn't cheap. No. Cheap food isn't good. No, exactly. There you so, go. if you remember to keep civil and friendly to our people while they're dealing with stuff. It's a great thing. Thank you for writing about that stuff. No, it's good. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we do have some Paris Hilton talk. Yeah! We'll be right back. 
Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us. I'm Steph March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning. We are so happy to have you here, I Elizabeth. love it. This is just my favorite thing. I know. Steph Hansen texted me the other day. <laughs> hey, I forgot that I had to tell Steph I'm off. And I was like, I'm in. I know. I know. She did it. Like, she's she's up at the cabin, but she and she mislabeled the weekends that we have on our calendar. So yeah. she's here next weekend, but she had labeled herself off next weekend. So whatever. <laughs> How it's it goes. all good. I'm here. I'm your summer girl. You, you know, I'll show girl. up whenever I can. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I, you guys, I, a couple of months ago, you know, there was a, Paris Hilton cooking thing that popped up on YouTube and we talked about it and it was insane. And it was her making a, I think she made a lasagna and it was, it was the most insane looking cooking video that we've all ever seen. And it was kind of hilarious. Well, that got her a show. That got her a show. (laughs) That's it. And it's so bizarre that Paris Hilton has a cooking show on Netflix, Cooking with Paris. People are very intrigued by her. Is this out now? It is out. I gotta watch this. You gotta watch it. And I have to tell you, you guys, I, I, and I put this on the Weekly Dish, you know, Facebook earlier this week. I was like, you guys, watch at least one episode so we can all talk about it. And I basically thought I would watch an episode and I watched all of them. Oh, of course. <laughs> she is a fascinating person. You guys, it is it is, a, it is a fascinating thing. And here's the thing that we have to talk about. This is part of a new kind of a genre, which is a cooking show from people who don't know how to cook. Right. I mean, that are not experts, that mm-hmm. are not even, not, not just professionals or experts, but, but not even good cooks. This is how far we've fallen from the beginning of the Food Network, yes! which was like the beginning of the Food Network was all real like accomplished oh. celebrity chefs yes I, I mean i don't know it's like wolfgang puck it's yes. like people like that who were showing people how to cook and it was like hey i'm a chef so i really know what i'm doing but i'm gonna make things more accessible and then we got to a point where it was like rachel ray yeah who was showing us 30 minute meals i'm not a chef proud of not being a chef yes then it became just like random celebrities who like to cook like Trisha Yearwood has a cooking show and she just tells you like what she makes for Garth and you're like I don't know okay okay and then now we've gotten to the point where it's celebrities who are bad cooks yeah Selena Gomez Ludacris can't open an aluminum can 
Uh, Amy Schumer, we know, you know, has angered handsome because she has a show and it's like her husband's teaching or trying to teach her how to cook. Yeah. And so we go into this place and it's like in actually salon.com has a really great sort of historical timeline of what you just talked about. Oh, about, funny. <laughs> I know. It was like you just wrote their article for them. <laughs> and it sort of like talks about exactly that, about how it's, you know, we, what where the Food Network started and how it went from Julia Child, you know, all the way to Emeril and all this stuff. And it's so true that we are now in this space where, and I think part of it was fueled by the pandemic, obviously, because mm-hmm. we all started cooking together again and people started cooking and sharing it and it became more entertaining to sort of watch the foibles than it did to learn. And this is where we are. I think this is just entertainment. I think it is entertainment. You know, and this and is different. Yeah, that was some of the analysis that I was reading of it. And again, I haven't yeah. seen the show yet, but I oh, certainly will watch it. But I... um was like people were foodie people were sort of outraged by this right Eh. so they were like this is outrageous how is she showing people how to cook and then other people were going you're missing the point this is just no it's entertainment value to watch Paris Hilton you have to go into it with an expectation you do do. and And I'm interested in her and I have to tell you I was just and here's what I think is wonderful I think the opening is every episode there's an opening of her um a sequence where she's like grocery shopping but it starts off with her in this beautiful sort of music montage and she's got styled and it's like it feels like a movie opening and then it quickly stops and it's her going um where are the are these chives um and what is what do i do with chives and it's like she drops her stuff on the ground and she's picking it up she's like sorry and it's real. And so this is, I think, the, cl- the clue, the metaphor for the whole thing is there are fake worlds and then there are real worlds. And mm-hmm. most of the time we are watching a fake world and then there's the real world behind it. And it's still Paris. Like, it's still this glammed up, dolled up woman. This is her life. Like, she lives in this ultra rich life where she has bedazzled, you know, spatulas and stuff. And that's and what so she many chooses. tiny dogs. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like, but but very aware that this is all crafted entertainment. Like this that's bedazzled her, spatula stresses me out. It you are gonna me get, out so you're hard. gonna get a rogue crystal in your mac and cheese. Oh my god, she hit, but she's also using like, and then this is the thing, right? She's using like metal on her all oh, her pans, gosh. and I was just like going, oh god, you're totally scraping that. Like it's gonna, you know. But here's <sighs> the thing, right? In the end, I kind of here's the other thing. It's sort of soothing. <laughs> It's her voice. She's so like quiet and this is sliving or sliving. And it's not, it's not like, it's just, I watched the whole thing and I was like, wow, I'm not angry at all. I'm just sort of interested and it's kind of funny. It's also really funny to think of Paris Hilton eating lasagna. I know. I just don't think that's realistic. Well, she eats so much sugar in this show, yo. I mean, and you look into her, her pantry. She lives off sugar. It's fully Stocked with candy and sugar cereal. Oh, well, now I'm anxiety ridden. I know. Now I'm going to be like, oh my gosh. I know. And it's so, and here's the other thing that's so interesting to me. There was, so she brings all these friends in to cook with her. That's fun. And I think like, so the first one is Kim Kardashian and they literally have like those memories of like, oh, remember when we partied outside, we stayed in this tent outside in Ibiza or like, you know, (laughs) and and it's like, you know, that that's an actual real side of that's real. Like they totally are just having those moments that you would have with your girlfriend. It's just that they partied in Ibiza. You slept in your backyard, you know, in in Minnesota. And so there's this weird thing where, you know, she talks about, like, making breakfast with her kids, and you know that this is, like, her famous kids. And it's just, there's a weird side of it that has these little slices of of a peek into the normalcy that is just 
amped up because of who they are. The normal day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so funny that Kim Kardashian is on there because the normal day to day is what she wanted so badly with Kanye that he was unable to give her. Exactly. Like all of the all the glitz and the glamour and the travel and the artistry and all of that is all him. But what she wants is just someone to be there in the day to day, because here's a newsflash. Your life is just the day to day, day to day. And that's, there's a little bit of this in this piece where you sort of, you know, we go to these celebrities for that. We go for the flash. We go because we want to aspire. We want to be entertained. And there is that in this for sure. There's all of it. And it's like, she's doing it because she knows that she has to give us this because that's her job. As a celebrity, right? But then there are these pieces where, I got to tell you, the last episode is her mom and Nikki Hilton cooking with her. Listen, I've met Nikki Hilton. She's been in the Twin Cities Live studio. She was lovely. Oh, she is, you guys, lovely. But, but the best thing that stands out on this, and this is a glammed up thing, and they're cooking steaks, and they're doing, you know, they're trying to do this glammy stuff, and what stands out, and you can't help but watch this and see the mother-sister-daughter dynamic, mm-hmm. like, the mom takes over the kitchen and you see how annoyed Paris is. And you feel that when her sister's like, what are you doing over here? You shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing this. And it's it's a moment where we're all like, if we've ever cooked with families in our kitchens, we're like, oh my God, I'm so feeling for her right now. It's her show and her parents and her sister are taking over. I love your analysis of this. I think this is really great. It you is- have really... I don't know if the management at My Talk 1071 ever thought that the weekly dish was going to fully fit in with the mantra and the you know the ethos right. that is the right. My Talk 1071 right. culture but today, today my friend it has been accomplished. I have given you the bridge that we have been looking for. I, Send this segment to management. I am fascinated. I'm yeah. fascinated. It's great. It is. And you know what in the end Here's the other thing. They're just cooking food that like you probably would cook. Like like you know what I mean? Like there's mac and cheese and there are some and I got to tell you there's some spectacular fails. Demi Lovato, whoa. They made a, and also they made a caprese salad that was like a train wreck. You know what I mean? So, but nonetheless, it's like it's How a capri- do you train wreck I, a caprese salad. Let me tell I'm you. Sorry, can I stop there, was, there for a second? There was so much balsamic glaze on okay. that. Okay, I was going to say I don't mean to be like elitist, but no, it's and really No, maybe it was a Maybe it was a train wreck for me because we all know how I feel about balsamic glaze. Okay. But okay. Their, their, their cannellonis or whatever they were making were, oh my God, were a mess. A mess oh, but. funny. Yeah. All right. So it's on Netflix, the yeah. Paris Hilton cooking show. And you think for people even who really like to cook, it's just, just go in and just watch it and just be I, entertained. I would dip in. I would tell you that you could dip in and really sort of be entertained and I think that, you know, watching, she does a turkey for a, a holiday episode. Okay, that's difficult. And I give it, I guarantee you that every single person who has first cooked a turkey did the exact same thing that she did. And that's another thing is you see yourself a little bit in this piece and I kind of love it. So see if you, I mean, like if you feel, they're like 20 minutes each. They're not, a, they're not a huge mental commitment is what I'm saying. <laughs> so give it a shot. It's on Netflix. If you guys want to call in, we do have the Ask Stephanie portion of the show next 651-641-1071. If you did watch it, if you hated it, you can absolutely call us and tell us that. If you couldn't stand watching, her voice is the only thing that is like both soothing and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know it. So there you go. So I love we'll, it. We'll be right back, you guys. But it is an Ask Stephanie portion, so give us a call. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Steph March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. Well, good morning. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. And it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So give us a call. 651-641-1071. We have lots of answers about restaurants. We have lots of answers about 
gardens and tomatoes and zucchinis and all the things. Mm. So we do have Megan on the line. Megan, you have a comment or a question today? Hi, ladies. I do have a comment, and I work um, as a hostess at a theater where you can have dinner in the suburbs. Oh, yeah. Leave it at that. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you. I think earlier I heard, heard you say um, remind people to be patient um, because restaurants are short-staffed. Yes. And just thank you because I know um, we are so short servers and um, service assistants who help get the food out and the salads and everything. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for that reminder because my servers and we, we're all working extra hard. We have to wear the mask, which we all understand. Yeah. That just kind of adds to right. the stress. challenge. Yep. So, Are you feeling that people are being are patient? Like are, the majority are, or are you having like little blips of, you know, sort of bad behavior or what? Um, I think mostly people are really, really understanding. I mean, the service staff that we do have are excellent. Um, we as hostesses, obviously, we don't help like bring food out or anything, mm-hmm. but we're trying to help water and and then we can help clear and like fill, you know, iced tea and super sippers and stuff like that. So we're able to help, which trust me, I love helping, and I know our servers are appreciative. But yeah. people are generally understanding. I think people in general are just happy to be out to see an excellent show. Yeah. So true. Thankfully, but just thank you for that reminder. I really pre- appreciate it and keep at it. Oh, awesome. Thank, thank you, you, Megan. You Thanks for calling. It. You're doing great. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, in, no, it's that's tough. the front lines, man. It's of, tough of being in front of people all the time. It's like very, yeah. it's very stressful. And I, you know, she's mentioning the mask thing and like she said, she understands and you know, nobody likes these. They're, right. they're terrible. Right. But I, I mean, that added stress of like not being able like people can't see your face. They can't connect with you. Yep. I think there is a real problem right now with people who are not masked, looking at people with masks and not looking at them, right. not seeing them as people right? because they can't see their full face. This it, is a really, really good point. It yeah. really is troubling. I mean, even when, when everyone was masked, it's like, it's very hard. And then when you have, the, it's, I just, I feel like people who aren't wearing them are uncomfortable because they feel like then some people are and then they feel badly that maybe they're not and so they're just trying not to look at them and not to have anything to do with it it's it's a very strange dynamic it is it is and it's like i know that and you know we've talked on the show and then people have different feelings and you know everyone gets very impassioned about it and this is where i think we've all kind of got a little ptsd from the past year and a half and so we're, our our nerves are frayed. And so we are sort of in this space where like what we normally would be able to take a moment to think about reactions or, you know, sit back and sort of think about things. I think we're all so stressed and, you know, about it all that it just sort of a lot of people are just going, ah, and they're just angry, you know, and they react. And I heard from a couple different people about how, you know, they're just like. They're just, it's, it's hard for them to, you know, in the service industry where you're, the part of your job is that you're supposed to be generous and welcoming and open and, and it's just harder. It's yeah, getting harder. It is harder. I think if you're just not willing to, to be extra kind and give people extra grace and pay extra money, then you just can't go out. Yeah. It's kind of like the point that we're at. And I feel 100%, 100% that we should, um, understand that like if you don't want to wear a mask and the place is going to ask you to then just don't go there and that's like they're not saying like they're they're not going to lose everything because you don't go don't go because if you're going to go and then be angry about it it's going to be worse you know we're in a tough spot I know it's a, a tough, tough, spot. tough spot and a lot of places I know that there's a lot of frustrations that like 
you know, there's not, you know, people are only open three days a week or they're only open, you know, they I can't. Don't know, guys. Yeah. Welcome to Europe. Go to Europe. Uh, Nobody's is... ever open. Full, no one has ever open seven days a week there. I, I know. Like, I think this expectation that everything is supposed to be open all the time, 24 hours yeah. a day constantly is yeah. just like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, it's the idea that it's, you know, it's like you can have whatever you want, whenever you want. It is so American, you know? I mean, at least now we get to buy alcohol on Sundays. I know. This is a gift. <laughs> that Okay, so that that is the one freedom I can really get behind. Um, the rest of it, I'm like, be open whenever you want. Right, For that, no. I'm like, please don't make me drive to Hot Ten. I know. <laughs> I need to be able to, like, Sundays are my actual only day off. Like, that's the only actual day off I have. So if I can't go get some wine on that day, that's know, a problem. I know. And then it's a cooking day. That's the hardest part is, like, Sunday is definitely a cooking day for sure and you need wine when you cook and you often need wine in what you cook i give you bolognese yes hello if i don't have and that's the thing is like i start sunday bolo and i'm like oh i drank that wine the other night so now i gotta go get that dry red wine i know when you get a husband who's super involved in uh wine collecting at this point in life (gasps) he's like so into it stuff i gotta take pictures of the you do the basement storage room that is being overrun by wine racks Oh, and he's like, this, this is was a good like hobby. his pandemic <laughs> hobby. This was his, this like made, you know how some people like doomsday prep with like big giant vats of rice yes. and water. Yes. Jay doomsday preps with bottles of wine. With Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> with like a nice Chianti. <laughs> this is why you like him so much, Wow, right? this is really a great hobby. It's I'm very really impressed with the pickup. He's gotten very into it. It is kind of fun, I will say, to ask people like, What's what's your pandemic hobby been? Yeah. Most people have something. They do. That they kind of like took up or got back into or got kind of involved in and sort of said like, hey, what, what am I going to do that's creative? I think, you know, a creative outlet. And even like wine collecting is a creative outlet. You I research know. it. You look for it. You taste it. You enjoy it. You share it. You pick which ones your wife is not allowed to touch. That's yes. what you do. Well, I was going to say, you have to be... I would be that person like I would run down and be like, oh, I just need something to cook in the braise with. And you'd grab like this Steph, Chateau Lafitte. No, I have you to know? have my own stash for that kind of stuff because I'm too afraid to like touch anything. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey, we have Mary is on the line. Mary, you have a, a question specifically for Elizabeth? I do. I'm curious. I love the sun's out, sun's out. And Yay. I'm wondering how much longer that will be brewed by Invictus. I think for sure through the summer. So Twin Cities Live partnered up with Invictus Brewing yes. out of Blaine to create a Suns Out, Funs Out, Blueberry Lemonade Hard Seltzer because our colors are blue and yellow. And it's delicious. And then we also did a Hazy Pale Ale with them that's called It's 3 O'Clock Somewhere. Oh, ha, Because Twin Cities Live is on at 3. Right. So for sure through the summer. Um, and then, I don't know, Mary, like, let's start lobbying them to make it yeah. a full-time deal. Because it really is it's enjoyable. great. It's a really wonderful hard seltzer. And um, I don't like, how can I say this kindly? I don't like a lot of national mass produced hard seltzers yeah. and by a lot i mean i don't like any of them no and no so <laughs> when like invictus is doing ours is so good i think the bauhaus ones are so good um you know the, the Liftbridge ones are good there's just a lot of them that are local that are really delicious and so that makes me so happy and then to have the twin cities live name on it but for sure through yeah. the end of the summer because we're we've got some charity partners that we've been um donating to with those sales and that's going through the end of august and Call Previn up at Invictus and just put the yeah, screws to do him. Do it. Do it. I, I will. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Mary. Mary. <laughs>
You know, they say, so there was this big article that came out that said, like, you know, heart seltzer is over. And it was like this, or, you know, there was a couple headlines that were clickbaity like that. And they're like, oh, you know, the heart seltzer trend is, is finally abating. And it was all based on the fact that Truly was reporting lower sales. Yeah, you want to know why? Yes! Because better hard seltzer is coming out. I was so That's mad. That's like being like the beer industry is done because Bud Light isn't selling as much. This is exactly, I was so mad at the irresponsible headline writers for that because i know it just makes me frustrated and then it's like yeah but did you read the analysis like did you read the article that said you know no it's actually just because the biggest producer of the worst stuff is like finally getting its comeuppance right 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 exactly there's like all the local seltzers you guys i mean of all of them they're so they're far better than anything of the nationals that you pick far better better. it's really the same with cider now i'll say like i'll make the argument with beer i mean i think you can get some some good nationally produced beers yep i think with cider and with seltzer it's almost impossible yeah you have to go small and local is there a cider you're loving right now um you know i always i love everything from sociable yeah i love everything from uh, that number 12 right right. i love uh one that i'm really that i've really like gotten into that i hadn't discovered like probably last summer when we talked about this was wild state out of duluth Totally. Oh, I could like die for a wild state cider at any time. They um, are so wonderful. Um, if you go to that, I had a wild state cider at that Fire and Nice Ale House, which is that pizza place that took over um, wherever Heyday was on Loon Lake. Oh yeah. And they had, and I just had one of those, and I had you know a piece of their pizza and some wings, and it was just like it was just that perfect. Like I didn't want a beer, and I was totally not in the space for wine, and it was just that perfect dry tart. It's dry tart. You're totally right. And my neighbor, I was just chatting with my neighbor, Becky, the other day, and she was like, I didn't think I liked ciders until I started like trying the ones that you talk about because she's like, I always thought they were too sweet and they're not. They're wonderful. She was drinking a Seattle Cider Company one, which is really great too. Yeah. No, there's a lot. And if you think that you don't like it because you've had one of those apple crisp mass produced whatever ones, go and try to find some local ones that are maiden honey, you know, or or milk and honey is great. man. So great. And of course, Sweetland. We love those. Yeah, we love Sweetland. All right, you guys, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back for the second hour. We have so much good stuff to talk about so stay tuned we'll be right back this is the weekly dish